Jesus Christ has sent us out as sheep among wolves. And as I was considering that all week, um, after last week's sermon, and looking at the other scriptures that the Lord brought to me, it seemed like wherever I went, uh, Sunday night we were studying in Jeremiah, the very similar things, tone was being spoken of by the prophet. And in the book of Judges on Wednesday night, over and over again, the, the same concept. What we want to grasp from that concept is this, it is Jesus that sent us out. And if he sends us out, we don't have to be afraid to be sheep among wolves. Because he said, if I send you, then I will give you the strength, the power that you need to be who I'm calling you to be. To do what I'm calling you to do. And in this section in Matthew chapter 10, that's what Jesus is all about in this area. He's saying, listen, to the 12 disciples, I'm sending you guys out. And I'm going to give you the power to heal the sick. And I'm going to give you the power to raise the dead and cleanse the leper. I'm going to give you the power to cast out demons in my name. I'm going to give you all that power. But I don't want you to lose sight of this one thing. You're still my sheep. And you're not to go out into the world and flex your muscles and beat people into submission. You go like a sheep among wolves. Quiet. Just like Jesus. Just echoing his character in in what we do. And then he said, I I want you to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Remember we talked about that idea. Uh, The the wisdom within that serpent, the word for the serpent is the very same word that that is used to, to describe the cunning of the enemy. Of Satan. Be wise. Don't be foolish. But then he tempers that. But be harmless as doves. When we, his church, take on the character of Christ in the things we do, listen, it changes everything. It changes it all. One family, that's one family story we watched uh, this morning, and we'll be taking a look at a few others as we come into preparation for the for the international day of prayer for the persecuted church and considering what our brothers and sisters around the world face but what we see in that the important thing that we see in that to me is that by being obedient to jesus christ that entire place was changed or we can choose to do it our way we can choose to cling to our rights We can choose to say that we deserve better or we should have more or or whatever the thoughts that go through our mind might be. But that wasn't the direction that the Lord gave. This is the direction that He gave. Last week we, we stopped right around verse 24. I just want to pick up at verse 24 and it says, A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. We need to think about that. We need to really grasp that idea because we come together and we sing songs and I desire for him to bring me in to the Holy of Holies. 
We sang a song this morning, take me into the Holy of Holies, coming in. But do you realize as you come into the Holy of Holies, what you see? Because in order to enter into the Holy of Holies, you come first to the place of sacrifice. You come first to the place that symbolizes the work on the cross that Jesus Christ did for us. Where he gave his life for my sin. I had to come to that place. I had to lay my hands on this little lamb. And I had to impart upon that innocent creature my sin. And I watched the the priest, and sometimes the one who brought the sacrifice would do it, and the priest would reach over and kill that lamb. And that blood would would get all over everything. There would be a a time where they would skin the lamb, and they would prepare it, and they would lay it upon that altar. That altar, folks, is like a giant outdoor grill. And the smoke that rose from that was God's part that He received from the sacrifice. And what was cooked on that grill, some of that went to the family. And they would go home and remember when they ate that sacrifice that the Lamb gave for them. That their sins would be purged. But in order to go into the Holy of Holies, I have to come to that place. I have to see that. I have to recognize that, that I come to the presence of God through blood. But now, you know, you go from that that place of sacrifice and you turn and there's this bronze laver that's opened up and this bronze laver is filled with water and the priest would go to that place and he would dip his hands and wash the blood off his hands. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, it, it makes us clean. And the washing of water of the Word, it makes us clean. And when we make that public proclamation of our faith before our friends and family in baptism, it makes us clean. It washes that off. And then he enters into the holy place. But the holy place is just a place of service. On the right-hand side would be the table of showbread where all the bread would be piled up. You remember what Jesus said about bread, right? He said, I am the bread of life. A loaf that represented each one of the the 12 tribes of Israel was on that place. And then to the left, no light in the holy place, no light in the holy of holies. To the left was a giant menorah. Giant menorah made out of pure gold, hammered gold. Just so you know, today they can't make one. Maybe you've heard they've got all the implements for the temple prepared at the Temple Institute in Israel. That's true. But the menorah is molded. Jesus specifically said, the Lord specifically laid out for them, it will be a hammered work. Why? Because God, what symbol the gold is of deity, is going to be hammered for us. Beaten for us. And that menorah is is pounded into a seven branch stand. And that seven branch stand is divided this way. The vine and the branches. He is the vine and we are the branches. The branches, six branches. Six is a number of man. Man is made complete when he is joined to the vine. And that's seven. Jesus said that menorah, he said, standing before a menorah that was burned out on the, right after the feast of, of Hanukkah, Jesus stood up and said, I am the light of the world. The only light in that whole place was from Him. 
Straight in front of you would be this little golden altar. And the golden altar was where the prayer, the incense would be burned and the prayer for the people was offered up to the Lord. You had to go through that place. You had to go through the place of service, understanding that Jesus Christ is my sustenance, that Jesus Christ is my light, that Jesus Christ is the one that bears my burdens. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. Isn't that what Jesus said? Come unto me. And so here that we have before that place of, of offering our burdens to Him. And then, then, and only then, we pass through the veil that is the body of Christ. And we come to a pitch black room. And in that pitch black room, the only light by which the priest would be able to see to offer the sacrifice, to sprinkle the blood of the Lamb upon the mercy seat that sat over top of the Ark of the Covenant, the only light in that place is the Shekinah glory of God. His presence lit that room. And only the high priest got to see it. And only once a year. And they come in and we see this Ark of the Covenant. Remember the Ark of the Covenant? They put the Ten Commandments in there. What did did we do with the Ten Commandments? Oh, that's right, we break it. And then they have a a bowl of manna in there. What's a bowl of manna? Manna is what man called bread from heaven. God called it bread from heaven. Man said, what's this? When Jesus Christ came, he said, I am the bread from heaven. What did man say? What's this? The other thing in there is, is Aaron's rod that budded when man said, what right do we have to follow this priest? See, God picked them. We, any one of us could lead the people just as well. And so as a sign to their rebellion, the Lord said, the rod, all of you bring your rods before the Lord, before the house of God, and the one that buds is the one whom God chooses. And it was Aaron's rod. It, it budded with all, almond blossoms. It budded forth, and they put that in the Ark of the Covenant. You know what every one of those things represents? Failure of man. Failure of man to trust God. Failure of man to keep God's law. Failure of man to give God the worth that He is due. But that's not all that was on the Ark of the Covenant, right? Over the top of that went the mercy seat. Hilasterion in the Greek Do you know that the scriptures tell us that Jesus Christ is our hilasterion? He's our propitiation. He's our mercy seat. He's that covering. I want to come into the Holy of Holies. I want to experience everything that God has for me. And so the Lord says to us in Matthew chapter 10, He desires that same thing. He desires every one of us to experience that depth of worship that we can experience. But we, you and I, we let things hold us back. We let the stuff around us get in the way. We hold so tightly to the, to the things we have. To, to our house or our car or our property or, or, or our family or whatever. We hold so tight to those things. But, you know, if, if we've learned anything in life, haven't we learned the truth that we do not have the ability to hold on to anything? Whenever I try to hold on to my life, it was like holding on to water. No matter how tight I squeeze, it's still leaking out from around my fingers. It's Jesus that said. It's Jesus that said, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. 
That attitude that says, I have the Lord Jesus Christ in that right place in my life. In that right place in my life. A disciple is not greater than his master. Whatever Jesus faced, whatever he went through, whatever sacrifices he gave, when we say, I will follow you, we need to understand that's the road we walk. The road to the cross. When we say, I will follow you, it's not that that everything's going to be perfect and life's always going to work out and we're never going to be disappointed. It means I'm choosing to get on the road that Jesus Christ walked and I'm going to walk it all the way to heaven's door. I'm going to walk it all the way to him. And I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear him say, "He's, he's there. He's receiving me. As I follow the road that he lays out for me. In verse 25 he says, It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. For if they called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of this household or of his household? You and I. Therefore, he says, do not be afraid of them. There is nothing covered that will not be revealed. Hidden that will not be known. God knows what's going on and everything will be brought to light. But it's going to be brought to light in God's time. That family that we watched that video on, they gave their life. Because of their sacrifice, they saved everybody around them. In the 1950s, there was a, 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 a man who, well, a group of men actually, who went out and, and were missionaries to a, a group of people I had the, the opportunity to meet when I was in Peru. They were in the Amazon rainforest. He landed in, the, the people called them the Akas. The Akas was just a derogatory term, meaning the, the, the naked ones, the naked tribe, because they were so far removed. You, you all know the story. Jim saying he flew in his friends and they landed and they have within their plane, all these things are trying to reach out and they're making good contact with the natives and everything seems to be going good. And then one day when they come, the natives all come out and they attack them and they run at them with spears and, and everyone looks, what should we do? What should we do? They have rifles. They have pistols to protect themselves. But they said, we know Jesus and they don't. So they fired him into the air. To try to scare him away. But those Indians killed every one of them. And you know, their wives went to live with that tribe. And you know, through that sacrifice, that entire tribe, their world was changed. That entire tribe comes to know Jesus Christ. That entire tribe is never the same because people said, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm a sheep. I'm not a wolf. And though this is that requirement, and the Lord may require that of us. He may. But we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of that because we hold so tightly to what we can see and what we can hold in this world. But don't you realize what we're really living for is the one in his presence. This one, it's just going to pass through our fingers. It's just going to go. But that one, 
That one is eternal. That one lasts forever. In fact, Jesus says in verse 27, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in the ear, preach in the housetops. The rabbi used to come to his students to teach him to preach, and he would whisper in his ears, and then the student would say those things. The Lord says, whatever I whisper in your ear, share that. Whatever I share with you in the, in the darkness, whenever you're alone, your time with the Lord, seeking Him, and God shares something on your heart, that's not just for you. He says, go share it. Share it. Take it out to the light. Let people know who God is, what God's done, that He matters, that He loves them. That he has a plan, a way for them to have that thing in their life that they're missing, that they try to grasp in any number of ways, but it can only be found through him. It can only be found in that relationship with Jesus Christ, the only place. Jesus said, don't be afraid of them. Do not fear those who kill the body, in verse 28, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't be afraid of those who can take your life. Rather fear God because he has the final judgment over our life. Final judgment. Listen, that that family in India, when I I watch that, it makes me cry for them. It makes me cry for what they felt at the time and what was going on in their mind and were they afraid and, and, and what was it like for the kids and what was it like for his wife? What was it like for him? But do you realize in that moment, however long that moment of time lasted, when it was over, they were all standing before Jesus Christ. They were all together. They will always be together. They will always be with him. They will never be separated from Christ again. And no man will ever touch them again. Book of Revelation says they will not ever be touched again, ever. They're his. You're his. I'm his. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. You belong to him. No man will ever be able to take that away from you again. And when he does, he puts you in the presence of almighty God. This life is not all there is. This life is not even all it's cracked up to be. But this life is our opportunity To take that message to the people who don't know. To take it to them and say, listen, I don't need to be afraid of what man's going to think of me. Or what man's going to do to me. Or what what will they think if I stand up for Jesus? I I don't care what they think. I care more about what my Father in Heaven thinks if I don't. I care more about what G- how, how Jesus feels when He looks at me and I'm shirking into a corner and I'm not... I feel His Spirit moving in my life. I feel Him saying, Speak! But the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And I close my mouth. And I let an opportunity slip away. And I think, what does that look like to Jesus? What does he think of those things? I don't need to be afraid. Rather, I need to respect my Father in Heaven so much. I respect my Father in Heaven so much. I care more for him than anything else. And so I won't be silent. So I don't remain quiet. 
He goes on to say in verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, a penny? Two sparrows sold for a penny. And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than sparrows. He says, listen, go to the marketplace and you can buy two sparrows for a penny. But the Lord knows when one of those sparrows falls. Those sparrows were given as, as sacrifice off sometimes. Sometimes they're given as, as a sacrifice. Sometimes they're given as a, as a meal. Whatever the case, this minor, small, tiny, seemingly insignificant animal, God says, I know when one of those falls. Every one of them. I know when they hit the ground. And then he says, and I know more about you than you know about yourself. For example, if you know how many hairs on your head. The only one who I know who could answer that question is Fritz. He's not here. (laughs) He says, I know more about you than you know about yourself. I know the number of hairs on your head. And then he says, and you have... Way more value than those sparrows. Now, every one of us at one time or another has felt like God cannot be seeing what's happening in my life. But the Lord said, not one sparrow falls that I don't see. Not one thing enters into your life or my life that doesn't pass through the hands of a God who loves me. Good, bad, hard, difficult. Doesn't make any difference. It comes into my life Through God's hands. And God is saying, you have way more value than the sparrow. I know every, I know the number of every hair. I love my children, but I don't know how many hairs they have on their head. But I cannot possibly love my kids as much as God loves them. I love every one of you guys, but I don't know how many hairs on your head. I can't possibly love you as much as God does. God's love for us is infinitely above and beyond anything we can ask. And then we, the question comes to us then, well then why do these bad things happen? Why do families, are they massacred? Why doesn't God, who's all-powerful and all-knowing, intervene into time, snatch it up, stop it, choke it off, and make it all right? Because God is showing through the things that we face, the struggles that we have, God is developing in you and I our character and showing His love through those events. That family doesn't die in that place, in that square. That village doesn't get saved. That family gives their life. They all get saved. See, God so loved me, True, but he also loved who else? The world. That he did what? He gave his only begotten son. That who? The special few? Says whosoever, doesn't it? That whosoever believes in him would not perish but have what? Everlasting life. God loves the world. And there are things that enter into our life. I don't understand why they have to be. But I trust God. I trust Jesus. 
I don't know why. I don't know why there's sickness among our fellowship. I don't know why God has taken some of us. My prayer every day is that the Lord would not take us one at a time, or all, but all at once. That trumpet sound and He say, come home. But if He doesn't, I won't quit. I won't stop. I won't deny Him. I cannot deny the one who gave everything for me. So he takes sometimes the people I care for. Sometimes the people I love. He, he takes them. And I, and, I, and I selfishly, I want them still here. But God says, Jackie, why are you living for now? Why are you living for this place? This is not your home. And I realize the truth of it is, when the Lord takes someone home, it just makes me a little more homesick. But I want to go. The Lord moves that way. The Lord took a brother home this week. I'm going to see him again. He'll be just as big when I see him then. God loves us. And what he wants from us is a, this relatively simple message. Will you follow me? I trudged out the path. I, I, I cut the way through. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? When we look at the way that he cut through, it's shaped like a cross. And we so often forget what that cross is all about. Listen, the scripture goes on to tell us in verse 32. It says, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father in heaven. Speaking, as he's talking to the disciples, he's talking about people who are going to receive the message. If they deny me, I'll deny them. If they receive me, I'll receive them. That's that's the context in which we we find this scripture laid out. We know he's not talking to Christians because we realize that Peter's going to deny him three times, isn't he? But Peter doesn't lose his salvation. He repents. The Lord meets him in that place and raises him up. What he is talking about is, are you willing... To make a profession for me publicly. Are you willing to make a profession for me publicly? Sometimes we don't get a chance to do that. Today's not one of those days. Today you have a chance, today you have opportunity. This is what I'm going to ask of you. A little different from normal, but hey, we don't mind different. I would like it if we just all closed our eyes and didn't look around. But this is not an altar call. This is an opportunity for you to profess your faith before men. We're here, right? 
I, I would like it if you would close your eyes. And if you're willing, if you desire to make a profession of your faith, then I would like to ask you to stand up. And if, as you stand up, you want to make your profession of faith, I want to invite you to raise your hands. That's why I want you to close your eyes. Because we get up tight. That whole raising the hands thing. Someone's going to think I'm a Pentecostal. (laughs) Rule number one, don't sweat the small stuff. Rule number two, it's all small stuff. I want to invite you to stand up. I want you in this place to, to confess Jesus before men. It's that easy. So I'm going to invite you, if you want, close your eyes so everybody's not looking around at each other. Stand up, put your hands in the air, and we're going to sing together that I have decided to follow Jesus. We have an opportunity. You don't have to. And I definitely don't want you to if you don't want to. (laughs) We raise our hands and we sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back, as I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. You can be seated.
Jesus said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my Father. Whoever denies me before men, him I will deny before my Father. And do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, I was pretty sure when Jesus' announcement was, was given by the angels, they said, peace on earth. But Jesus said, I didn't come to give peace. The peace that Jesus is talking about in this section of Scripture deals with that feeling of tranquility because life is good and life is easy. He said, I didn't come to give that. He came to give peace with God. Because you and I, apart from a relationship with Him, are at war with God. We are at enmity with Him. So He said that Him, Jesus Christ, He is going to be the dividing point in people's lives. Look at the Scripture says, For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Because Jesus divides. Jesus is that point. People can, can, can accept all kind of things. But they can't accept Jesus. It, it makes that breaking point in relationships. And so Jesus says, I want you to know, this is a breaking point in relationships. When you choose me, when you commit yourself totally, utterly to me, it's a breaking point for people. And just so we don't miss it, he tells us in the next verse, he says in verse 37, He who loves father or mother more than me, that's the operative word, is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Here's the truth. Please listen. Please hear this. A life committed and submitted to Jesus Christ, you will be a better father a better mother, a better son, a better daughter, than you will be any other way. That's what Jesus is saying. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you don't have to worry about whether or not you're loving your children. You will. You will love your children with that godly love and that godly heritage that God gives to you and pours out in your life to them. And you will be the best mother or father that you could ever be. But if you choose to love your children more than God, you will not be the mother or father you could be. Because if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you let your life go, you're going to find it. You love your mother or father more than you love the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. You will never be the son or daughter you could be committed and submitted to Jesus Christ. If you love anything else more, it turns that thing into an anchor that holds you down and keeps you from moving forward into what the Lord has for you. And then he says in verse 38, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. You see, man who takes his cross is a man devoted to death. With the, today a cross is an ornament. We put it in our ears. We get tattoos across us. We wear necklaces with crosses on it. It's not what it was then. 
During the Maccabean revolt, in order to squash the Maccabean revolt, they came in and they crucified hundreds of people along the road that led from Jerusalem to Galilee. When General Verus was squashing a revolt, uh, he's a Roman general against the Jews, he crucified 2,000 people along that same road. That's the, the, when you were walking outside in those days, you knew what the cross meant. It wasn't a piece of jewelry. It wasn't those things. The cross is an instrument of destruction. And Jesus follows it up with us. He follows it up in the next verse. He says, listen, he who finds his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what the cross was all about. The cross was an instrument of destruction. Upon the cross, I have been destroyed. I am crucified in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's what the scripture declares to us, isn't it? So when Jesus says, anyone who will not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me, he's saying, listen, if you're going to live for yourself, there's only two ways to live. There's only two ways to live this life. Sacrificially and selfishly. One or the other. If you take a look at your life and you say, well, I I can't say that my life is sacrificial, then you have your answer. There's only two ways. Jesus calls us to live our life sacrificially. And Paul wrote it like this in the book of Philippians, he said, "To, to esteem others better than yourself. He also wrote in the book of Romans this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, how? A living sacrifice. Living for Him. Focused on Him. Devoted to Him. In love with Him. Because He first loved us. And because He gives me the answer. He gives me the answer to why when I try to squeeze my life and I try to hold my family together and I try to, to, to on my own power, be the, the best father I can be or, or the best husband or even the best pastor. Why when I try to do all those things, does it just keep falling out of my grasp? And he says, because you don't need to be focused on any of those things. You only have to be focused on one thing. Love me, love me, love me. And all that will happen. You want to be the best father? Love Jesus. You want to be the best husband? Love Jesus. You want to be the best wife? Love Jesus. Oh, Jackie, that's too simplistic. No, that's God. That's how God works. He is simplistic. Love Him. Follow Him. Be committed to Him. Declare to Him that it's not my life that I live anymore. It's His. I give it to Him. He says in verse 40, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives Him who sent me. You cannot pick apart the Lord. You can't pick Him apart. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. Scripture declares in 1 John, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Lord says, Jesus says, If you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. You can't pick it all apart. He says, he who receives you, receives me. And if he receives me, he receives my father. 
It's a package deal. It's all inclusive. That's why he would go on to say, if you can come into God's house and hate your brother while you're sitting in here and say, I just can't stand that guy, or I just can't stand that person, the problem is not with them. The problem is you. You have poison inside of you and it is eating you up. But he says, if they receive you, they receive me. They receive the Father. Together, bound together as one body. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. He's saying, listen, if they'll receive you because you're a prophet, great. There's a prophet's reward. God honors that. If, they, if, they, if they'll receive you because you're, because you're a righteous man, great. That's great. They received you. They'll have a righteous man's reward. Whatever their reason is for receiving you, the Lord says He'll honor that. And whoever gives one of these little ones, believers, a cup of cold water in my name or in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. The Lord says, anybody, when you honor one another, you honor me. When you love one another, you love me. When you give a little cup of water to a believer, just because he's a believer, it's just like you gave that little cup of water to me. We come to Matthew chapter 25 and the judgment of the nations. The Lord is going to say to those who are on his left hand and to those who are on his right, in one hand, you gave me When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And they're going to say, when did we do any of that? And Jesus is going to say, when you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. And to the other, he's going to say, you didn't feed me, and you didn't clothe me, and you didn't visit me. And they're going to say, Lord, when didn't we do those things? And he's going to say, when you didn't do it unto the least of these, my brethren, you didn't do it to me. Jesus is calling his disciples in Matthew chapter 10 to step out and be real about their relationship with God. To to stop just being satisfied with it just being another day or or, but that it would be a life. That it would be a commitment. That it would be something that governed where you went and who you talked to. And, and that you're speaking the words that God's whispering in your ear. And that you're sharing those concepts that the Lord lays on your heart at night in your quiet time. And, and that you're reaching out with love to people. And you're caring about God's people. And you're doing all these things. Jesus is saying, I, I, I'm sending you out. So go out and be real. Be really committed. Be really Submitted. Be really in love with, with who I am and, and what I'm all about. Die to yourself and live for me. That's what he is calling us to. He's calling us to the same thing. For the day is far spent. So redeem the time. Days are evil. You may only get one more hug. You may only get one more word. What will it be? Who would you share with? Just live our lives that way. In the now. Today. Listen, if we live our lives that way, 
Church, we will change our world. We'll change our neighborhood. We'll change our, our community. Change our state. Everything changes. We sit around and talk about it. Nothing changes. When we step out and be who God's calling us to be, everything does. Amen? Amen. So we're going to have a time this morning of communion. So I'm going to invite the fellows to come on up and, and uh, they'll share a, a song and worship. And as the deacons come up and, and anyone who can help out, help pass out the, the implements of communion as we prepare, I want to invite you to do two things. As they, uh, as they just share in this, in this time of worship, in this song, I want to invite you to consider that which we have already sung, that I have decided to follow Jesus. And I want to encourage you to let that be an anthem that takes you from this place to the mission field that starts right outside those doors. And allow God to do that perfect work that he wants to do in you. As we remember that perfect work that he did for each of us. I want to invite you as you take, just hold on to it and we'll partake of them together after the song.